broadcasting from an undisclosed location, from a secret hunting spot known only to him, and the guy who told him about it, and possibly the guy who told the guy who told him. It's a show all about hunting in New Zealand and around the globe. This is The Hunting Show. Find The Hunting Show on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date information on upcoming shows and topics. I'm having one of those days with technology. And that's a real problem, because when I'm having a day with technology, everyone else has a problem. And what I mean by that is that I'm the guy, you know, the one that when your iPad, your iPhone, your Android, your computer, your laptop, your whatever, when it doesn't work, I'm the guy that people bring it to. So I'm trying to set up this sort of integration with security and cameras and phones and stuff. And because we run a server at home, because we have a business, blah, blah, blah. It sort of adds another layer of complexity to something that should be relatively simple. So I'm, I'm working that out. I fear I've started a project that's going to take me some time. I do. But that's life. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to make it work. And I'm not going to get frustrated. Because I can beat this. So I'll let you know. I'll let you know how I go with that. Uh, how, how have you been going in the hills? I Hang on, cat. That was Phoebe the cat decided to come into the studio unannounced. How have you been going in the hills? I found it's been incredibly cold. I went hunting in the snow. You'll see photos up on the Facebook page if you follow us, The Hunting Show, on Facebook. And love hunting in the snow. You know, there's all sorts of things. feels very primal, I think. But I made a mistake. I took my gloves off for some reason. Hands got wet, put gloves back on, wet, which meant I kind of neglected the whole idea of wearing waterproof gloves. And my hands got cold, which sucked. But other than that, I really do enjoy hunting in the snow. And my lower boots, my lower Z8s, held up incredibly well. Thank you very much, lower, for that. And, uh, you know, they I was in some snow melt sometimes almost to the top of the boot and didn't have wet feet all day. And thank you to Mike Felton for taking me out to a secret spot in the snow, hunting seeker. Got within 30 metres of one of those suckers, we think. Spooked it. It was 30, 20 metres, something like that. So although we didn't bring any meat home, had an awesome experience. And hey, not going to get any deer sitting at home. Someone else that has had some experience hunting in the snow is Dave Shaw from the, the Hunters Club. How are you, Dave? Yeah, bloody good. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, no worries. Now, it's been a while since you've been on the show. Tell me you, about this, first of all, hunting in the snow. How do you find it? Um, well, it's, it's from a cameraman's point of view. You've got the benefit of everything looking great and, you know, dynamic and um, certainly adds you know, the visual nature. But I hate it, to be honest. <laughs> I live in the Pahav Islands. I'm in the Kerry Kerry, and, and I, um, I'm pretty thin-skinned, I, I guess. So um, the last couple of shoots we've, we did were absolutely, uh, well, I mean, I, once you're down at the hill and you, you know you can reflect on it, you think you remember the positive stuff, but the negatives, the, the cold is, is definitely um, challenging because it soaks your batteries up really fast as well. Um, yeah, so yeah. filming-wise, it, it makes life pretty tricky. I mean, the last shoot, we um, we had to cross a little stream every morning, yeah. and so you just you got wet boots, <laughs> so you're sitting there glassing for tar with wet boots, and then you know we you're trying to climb up these big icy faces, crampons or whatnot, so. You spend all day, you know, smashing your, your feet into, into your, the ice pack, the crampons, 
you feel a numb to start with, so you don't really feel it until you come off the hill. But I had two weeks where my toes were numb, and I went to the doc and said, "Look, what's the story here? Have I done like permanent damage?" And <laughs> it's come back, but um, for a while there, I was thinking, "Geez, I don't know. The snow's not my cup of tea." But you know, in hindsight, you look at the footage and it looks great, and it's um, you know, it's definitely another. You know, it's, it's a must do, really. You're only uh, doing half the hunting if, if you don't want to go into the snow because it, it offers so many, you know more uh, strength than bow. Just something I'd like to say. I feel very caveman-like when I'm hunting in the snow. I don't know what's up with that, mm. you know? There's something quite... Uh, I've said the words primal already on the show. There's something about yep. being in the snow and and doing what we do best that for some reason just... Yeah, I feel like, ugh. I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> well, it's certainly quite cool sitting around at the end of the day all rugged up, you know, bringing a, a hot cup of coffee and all the, you know... The steam coming off of that, it's, it's, yeah, certainly, yeah, I think it's a, it brings you together more than, you know, sitting around in the summertime with a bloody singlet on. Mm, so, mm. Mm. and there's something to be said about climbing into a sleeping bag at the end of the day and, you know, have that kind of shiver of joy go down your body when you're <laughs> nice and warm again. That's right. So, so Dave, the, the show has had outstanding success if you measure it by people talking about it from where I sit. How's yeah. that been for you? Yeah, well, the, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been it's been great. We've we set ourselves some figures that we wanted to to reach uh, within the first broadcast, and we've reached those. So we're pretty we're pretty wrapped. And anecdotally, all the feedback that that both uh, we're getting and our sponsors are getting has been great. So I was only a little disappointed, and so I wanted there, there to be more of a not a backlash, but more of a conversation from the non-hunter about you know, ethics of hunting within New Zealand. So yeah. that's only come about since the whole Cecil, you know, circus. But um, obviously the people watching our show have seen it for what it is, which is, you know, it's it's uh, responsible, ethical hunting and it's got a conservation bent to it. So, yeah, I was, I was kind of geared myself up to have this backlash from, you know, the lefties, but that never really eventuated. So I guess I can't be too upset by that. See, but, I, uh, I find the backlash doesn't come primarily from Kiwis. Uh, most of the backlash yeah. I get is from Australians and American anti-hunting groups, and I think they just Google hunting stuff. And the yeah. show, because I'm a bit more, well, not a bit more, sorry, I didn't mean it that way, but I, I've got an international reach, is a lightning yeah. rod for the stuff. So I tend to disregard a lot of stuff that's coming from overseas, and I get some great emails from people that aren't on the positive side of the ledger that hunt in New Zealand, but they tend to be yeah. more measured. That would be my take well, on it. I guess we're in the process of trying to um, broaden the show's horizons overseas at the moment, so we've had a, a bit of interest from a couple of um, couple of broadcasters internationally, so I guess I've got that to look forward to then, <laughs> if, uh, if that's uh, the way it's working out for you. And if there's any anti-hunting sort of groups listening to the show, <laughs> your email... No, no, we won't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So can you tell us, uh, you, you've done the season, and you've, is it, what's coming next? Well, we've got three shows under our belt, three and a half. We had one shoot, which we had to – well, we got we got the basis of a good uh, episode out of it, but we want to go back and flesh it out a bit. So we're, we're not trying to rush ourselves. We had um, we had 12 months to make the first series, and we'll take 12 months to make uh, series two and um, make sure it's a step up from series one. Like the you know, uh, the sophomore slump is a, is a common occurrence when you – you do all your hard work and you use all your best ideas in the first year, and then you think, "Geez, what are we going to do to, to change it up?" But um, I think we're lucky in New Zealand in that you've got so many different p- 
people, places and animals to hunt that you'll never get bored or never have to do the same thing twice. So we've, um, yeah, we're, we're certainly lucky there. Yeah, it's an interesting one there because I've I've always feared the same thing because I do this weekly. So I produce mm-hmm. about 50 shows a year, give or take. And I've never run out of things to talk about. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the topic of hunting is so broad. I mean, you've got your rifle hunters, your long-range hunters, your bow hunters, and you know, the, the places and people and animals, three, you know, I'd run the mass, and you've got a, you know, a thousand bloody um, potential ideas there. So, yeah, we're, we're pretty excited about what we've got in the can for next year already, and um, we've got some big plans of what we're actually heading to North Queensland later this month to do some uh, bow hunting of, uh, of hogs over there up um, Cape York. So that's that's going to be exciting because it's the first time shooting outside New Zealand. So mm-hmm. we want to do you know one international year, and that'll be our international series too. It's interesting because hunting is such a different thing in Australia. Last week's show was actually all about that. It was with the Australian yep. hun- um, Hunting and Fishing Podcast. It was who we had the interview with. And they were they actually think that we've got the hunting mecca over there, but we're, it's almost like the grass is greener. You go over there, you've got foxes, yeah. water buffalo, camels. I didn't know you hunted camels in Australia, which is ignorant on my behalf because everyone goes, oh yeah, of course they do. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they've got, they've got a huge variety of hunting available uh, just over the ditch. Yeah, well, the one thing I've, I mean, because I'm no pro, I mean, I'm learning as we go along, but my feel of what I've heard from guys is in Australia, there's a quite a strong anti-hunting um, brigade in the cities, whereas we, uh, I guess with our rural um, background here, it's not quite as um, as strong. So that's the one thing I've, I've been you know made aware of in the production of this show. So we're trying to get on it here in Australia at the moment. We're just, you know, just this week started knocking on doors, so... Um, hopefully we don't uh, you know, encounter too much blowback there. Hmm. And have you had any, and I don't want to go into the whole Cecil the Lion thing too much, but have you had any feedback about that at all? Yeah, plenty. Well, I, I kind of went out poking the hornet's nest in a way. <laughs> I posted an article up on stuff, and because um, it, it was, timing-wise, it was good for us because our, our, our shows just started replaying on Sky Sports. So I thought, here we go, here's a good way to kind of say to people, there's more than meets the eye to the story and, you know, look a bit deeper and you'll see that it's the whole economies of, of hunting in Africa and putting money back into cons- conservation. Because my background is in zoology, I've got a zoology degree, so I was able to kind of bring a few things to the argument there. But what it <laughs> did was just, you know, all these people berating me and, and uh, writing angry emails and, and that was kind of interesting. But it's, um, yeah, it, it's, a, uh, it's a funny old time, isn't it, when... You, you hear it from the horse's mouth from people in Zimbabwe who are like, "What's the big deal? What's the deal with this lion? We don't give a rat. We're, we're quietly happy that it's gone because you know, unless you know, if you're a villager that's uh, been tormented by lions in the past, then you're bloody dancing for joy. But um, if you're some uh, New Yorker that jumps on the bandwagon, then you think it's the worst thing since bloody Hitler." Yeah, uh, yeah, and there's a lot of keyboard warriors out there, isn't there? They yeah. they get on the keyboard, they start bashing away, and Really, they haven't looked any deeper than, you know, they've, they've barely scratched the scab when it comes to actually finding out the proper information. Yeah, yeah, no, spot on. I mean, and the upshot of this whole debacle is that it's going to shine a light more on the, uh, yes. the conservation practices. So there'll be hopefully a little bit less corruption, which seems rife. And um, the guys who are responsible and ethical in the way that they go about their business will will carry on in that manner. And but the cowboys that got these, um, what's his name, Steenkamp or whatever his name is, um, they'll, they'll get the boot, so you know mm. it's probably done more for the conservation of lions than than 
you know, anybody lobbyist has ever done because it's brought it into the forefront and people have had that conversation. But don't you think that there could be a backlash where people are too scared to take on our sport? Well, yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. I don't think there be too many guys lining up to get um, tickets to knock over lines. Well, certainly no dentists will be, will they? No, no. <laughs> but, I mean, it's literally a world removed um, from, from where we are in New Zealand, and that's the point I've been trying to make with people who were you know, saying that hunting of majestic, beautiful stags is no different to shooting lions. I was like, well, yeah, it is. It's very, very different because you know, these animals left to their own devices will get to the stage where they overpopulate and starve or mm. you know, they do a lot of damage. And you know, There's all these, there's hundreds of arguments that are all pro, and the only con is that it might offend the sensibilities of someone who, who you know, has watched Bambi a few too many times and has a you know, charismatic megafauna you know, attachment that makes them feel bad about this animal dying. So it's, yeah, yeah it's an easy argument to win. Absolutely. The, the other thing I fear is that a lot of the bad practices will go further underground. So what's going to happen yeah. is that your good guys are probably going to struggle. Uh, and I'm talking about big game hunting here. The guys that do everything ethically and above board and whatever. And then yeah. the guys that are dodgy are just going to become quieter and more fu- and further underground. So you, you, I, I've only just started going through this in my mind. But there's that whole black market thing that I hope doesn't get encouraged by, by what's gone on. Mm, mm. Oh, well, only time will tell. Yeah, that's right. So mm. back to, <laughs> back to back to the the hunters club. What are some of your highlights of the season gone? Some of the real true Fjordan. highlights. Yeah, yeah Fjordan, absolute highlight, absolute low. Like, hardest thing I've done in my life. Yeah. Uh, and it was, a, it was a funny old one because at the stage we were filming it, I thought, okay, 10 days is more than I've ever you know, put into an episode. You know, I think the longest we'd done was maybe five days, six days, Stewart Island. So that 10 days will be, it'll be tough, you know, maintaining sanity the entire time <laughs> and phys- the physicality of Fjordland. Yeah. And the fact that I took a pack that, you know, I didn't want to compromise on the quality of the show we were making, so I wanted as many batteries and all the lenses and all the bells and whistles. So I had 38 kilos with a kit to, to lug around. But I think that when we started, it was going to be a half-hour episode, so I shot enough for a really solid half-hour. And then when we got out, I was like, man, there's, there's enough here for an hour. But there wasn't quite. There was 48 minutes worth of really good content. You know, for the hour long, it needed to be 51. So... I had to, you know, jump into the phone and just look at these files that I'd shot just behind the scenes to show the family and kids. And in the end, the the, the topic kind of, I felt a wee bit egotistical, but it, it moved a little bit towards my experience and the way I was kind of going about it. Yeah. So the, the, if you haven't seen the episode, it kind of shows me and my, not descent into madness, but I, I do, you know, it was it was a tough, tough ass for a guy who's never spent more than five days. And in that five days of Stuart Island in, in a dock hut. So... You know, the 10 days in Fjordland was, was a, a real life changer. And I was, I was proud as punches when we got out. And, um, yeah, it certainly set the bar high for what we want to achieve every season. We want to do one epic, one hour long, you know, amazing show. And in that one, you know, nothing at the deck. Uh, the fact that we turned down the animal at the end was a, you know, it was a good conversation starter because some people said we were mad and other people said, well done, pat you on the back. So, yeah, that was, that was my proudest moment. You you are right though because it's very very hard for you to cover a, or to do a one hour episode effectively, and and you haven't actually taken home the trophy or the meat. Mm. 
Yeah. Well, even to get permission to film in the lower Glasnot was, you know, quite problematic. We had to jump through plenty of hoops. And in the end, um, we were granted a permission on the basis that the show would be educational, uh, not purely entertainment. So that was cool for me because, I mean, I, we got to include a lot of um, informative stuff and a little bit of the science. And I got to talk to the guys from Doc and do some interviews and really kind of shine a light on the entire process of what the Fuel and Wapiti Foundation are doing and not just have a, a show which is solely about one guy's mission to shoot a, a Wapiti. It was an all-encompassing, this is what these guys are doing and this is why they're doing it, this is how you can hunt better, more responsibly. So we really, I mean, I, I hope people who are going into the Bugle next year get a chance to, to watch it beforehand and might give them a, you know, G them up to not pull the trigger on an animal which could have another year's worth, two years' worth of growth in it. So. And, and how have you found the following? Because we, even though we touched on that before, you got the numbers that you wanted. The show from where I sit has had a better following than probably some of the others that have been around for a bit longer. You know, it really seems to have had a, a, a flash mob all of a sudden. Really, well, really Well, I think, I think you, you get that with, with any new... Um, new kid on the block. Uh, so we, we've been, you know, quite strongly uh, pushing the social media side of things and trying to trying to engage with viewers that want to ask questions, that want to know more. So we're, you know, after each episode, trying to provide bonus material or you know behind the scenes stuff and photos, and answering people's questions about you know what calibre we're we using and why we're we doing this. And we don't answer the old "Where were you?" question, which we get a lot because <laughs> yeah. you got to you know keep a few things secret. But um, yeah, I think that's an important part of things these days. You can't just be a, a TV show. You have to be accessible and approachable. And given that we've got you know five or six hunters that are the, the key guys throughout the country, it's cool that people feel comfortable comfortable enough to walk up to them in the supermarket and start chatting about hunting and. And the guys, and 99% of the time, will be happy to chat back and um, hopefully assist them and educate them at the same time. And you know, we, we talked about the last on the last couple of interviews about how you're a a, a new a new hunter, really. Yeah. Um. So, what's your biggest learning been in the last few oh, months? Mate, I've learned that I didn't know a, a thing at the start. I, even <laughs> after we shot our first um, show, I was, I'm was i still a muppet. Just looking back at some of the footage because we're recutting some things for international. And I'm like, what? Why am I asking that stupid question? Was I that dumb? So I've, I've learned a hell of a lot, but I've still got a long way to go. But um, I guess it's you know uh, learning about the motivations of the guys. And you know, I, I still, at the start, thought the motivation was to go out there and shoot something, and, and it's not. It's um, There's one article I read had a really nice way of putting it, is that the, the killing is the full stop at the end of the sentence. You know, it's it's everything leading up to that point is, is what the reasons why people go hunting. So I've, and having been to Fjordland for 10 days and not you know heard the sound of a rifle go off, I can, I can really appreciate that now. So, yeah, I'm, I'm learning a hell of a lot. And I'm even starting to learn about what caliber is what and why to use this and why to use that. So, yeah, it's um, the, the old, still my way to go. The old caliber debate thing, eh? It, yeah. It's a bit of a minefield. Well, everyone seems to have their, you know, set favorites, don't they? And um, our guys are all 7 mil 8 users, and, you know, I can't tell you the reasons why, but they seem to say it's good stopping power and, I don't know. I, I won't even go down that road. <laughs> but, and uh, it's nice and flat shooting and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, 
Let's, we won't but have a show learning about, about ballistics and trajectories and all the, all that that added you know stuff that goes on in the background with um what they call it when they they make their own rounds um reloading loading, uh, yeah and like the time and effort involved in that I, I explained that to a couple of mates I'm like really like do you know bloody go to all that trouble just to improve their accuracy it's like yeah because that accuracy is the difference between having a successful hunt and walking home feeling like a sack of, sack of rubbish because you've wounded an animal and never retrieved it. So, yeah, it's um, it's quite, yeah, it's very informative. Yeah, for me, reloading, and I'm, I'm only just starting to get my head around it, and I haven't started reloading yet. And uh, Mike yeah. Felton, who was on one of the earlier shows, sort of got this out of me. Why am I interested in it? And it took me a while to try and get it across. But it's kind of like home brew. It, there's a certain <laughs> satisfaction about yeah. drinking that thing that you made. And I think with reloading, it's a similar satisfaction. You've really taken that that process from the as as far back as you possibly can, and there's something yeah. about that, you know. Yeah, well, it's like I, I draw back to fishing because I know fishing, but catching your own bait as yeah. opposed to buying some squid from the servo. Like, I, I love catching fresh bait and using fresh bait because it makes you feel as though you've achieved it from the from the ground up. You know, when you get your big snapper, or your big kingy. So yeah. So, so Dave, you've got you've got another season coming up, and you're, mm-hmm. you're three episodes in. Can you give us a little bit of a teaser about what we might see next year, without giving anything away? Um, I, I'm, I'm, it's probably uh, one of my failures. I'm, I love giving stuff away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've got 12 months away for the show goes, so we'll probably put them all up before then. But now we we uh, went down to Stewart Island, uh, had big curry block uh, for a week, and the premise of that episode was to round out the fact. The, you know, the, the first season where we, we tried to get a whitetail on bow but were unsuccessful, and that was mainly due to me. Uh, you know, having a cameraman along complicates things tenfold. So sitting in a tree trying to shoot a whitetail on bow is hard enough without a bumbling cameraman sitting next to you in another tree, falling asleep and snoring and making a lot of noise. So we went back down, and luckily we nailed a few uh, in the first few days, and then, yeah, just really enjoyed everything that Stewart Island has to offer with the fishing, diving, and all that jazz. So... That was a bloody, um, yeah, it was a fantastic trip. So that's, um, that's in the can. We've done some ducks, which um, which was fantastic, open water um, duck shooting. And we um, we ended up, well, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to hold on to this, but here's a secret for you. Ducks aren't scared of drones. You can fly a drone around, and, and uh, parries especially will fly right in front of it and, um, you know, just bloody on cue, pow, yeah, quack, boom, splash. So we've got some amazing stuff. That's from actually, aerial, that's um, interesting because some of the anti-duck uh, hunting bunch actually use drones to try and keep the ducks away. Yeah, well, we, we ended up pushing ducks off the pond while we were setting up because we didn't want them to see us all getting sorted. So, yeah, we'd use it just to push them away and then we'd get set up in our blinds and then they'd come back. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they, they, after, uh, it would be in the air for five, ten minutes or so, and just, you know, it's that low hum, but it certainly didn't put them off when they saw the spread that we had out. And, um, yeah, we, so there's some real cool footage coming into next year's uh, opening weekend did you get episode any, of... Did you get any steel in your drone? Just curious. No, 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 we didn't. Well, the, the, guys, the guys were pretty good shots. Yeah. I had, um, we actually did some pigeon shooting last year, and one of the... I had to, you know, say to one of the guys, "Hey, you know, well done, but don't do that again." Because there's a, a shot of a, a pigeon flying straight towards the drone, and it just turns into a 
you know, pillowcase of feathers. <laughs> and because it's a wide angle lens, often it looks further than it is, but this actually looks genuinely close. So he must have had a real tight choke or something <laughs> that, you know, he was confident. But yeah, but I, I still think it's worthwhile sacrificing the odd drone to, for the sake of, you know, that glory shot. So yep. yeah. And the graphics and everything you've done with the show, I did want to ask you about this, are very, very tidy. You know, you've really yeah, upped the game. Do you do that yourself or is that outsourced? I've got the, a 3D graphics guide for the opening title sequence, but everything else is me. So we try and um, – it's all about – because that's the thing, you can get bogged down with too much information, Yeah. So especially with hunting. So we wanted to make it simple and palatable to a non-hunter. The thing with our show is I wanted to make it broad enough that someone who's never been hunting still watch it and take something from it and enjoy it. So it's, yeah, there's a subtlety that you need to do with your graphics where it's, you can digest the information quickly, but um, it doesn't, you know, doesn't bore you. So, yeah. And, and that's, a, that's a hard balance even for me because you, you've got to go down that path of being general enough that everybody entry-level hunters, non-hunters, and experienced hunters can enjoy it. But occasionally you do really, or I have to, really get into it deep. And, and because there is those experienced hunters that want to gain something from listening to the show, yeah. and in your case, watching it. Yeah, well, I think we want to use the online space for catering to those kind of people. Like we, we, we Just in the last episode, a guy emailed saying, look, I want to know how to uh, you know, cape out a tar. Can you show me how? I was like, well, we, we could within the show, but it would probably you know might put a few people off to seeing you know knives blood and all that jazz so i'd rather do a big instructional check it up online afterwards and so you can you know watch it in your own time and, and properly take on the message which is being you know put put out there so yeah it's you just you're talking about that mix of media how are you finding that uh, you know the, the interesting thing is if i watch tv and and traditional tv and traditional radio ratings I see what's happening, and I'm sure you keep yep. a good eye on them. And that's where the on-demand format's becoming more and more. Uh, well, it's becoming more relevant for people. Where Where are you going with that? Because to date, I haven't seen the Hunters Club on any on-demand format. Well, we've, we're on Sky on Demand, so Sky Go. So if you're a Sky subscriber, you can watch us at any time. But yeah, um, yeah it, it is a funny old one. It's quite a dynamic time to be making TV. Um, you look at the big game hunting guys who are doing a really good job just with a purely online space. I mean, they've got videos that pay to download and view for a certain amount of time or you can subscribe. So I really like that model, but we're pretty happy with where we are in terms of the traditional model. Um, we may look further down the track, depending on how things play out with, you know, there's so many guys in the market. You, know, you get your, your Netflix, your Lightboxes, your Skies, your just purely online people. So it's... Um, I still think we've thrown our weight into, you know, Sky's thrown their weight behind us because hmm. they're the big boys. They're, they're established and they, you know, they'll fend off the competition. I mean, that's that's my gut feel for it. But, um, yeah, it certainly is an interesting time to be making TV. Hmm. Um, and and hmm. I really, you know, it wasn't about necessarily being negative towards Sky. It was really just asking that question because... Yeah, you are right. There's the Netflix, Lightbox, Neon, um, G Movies. There's about three or four others, and there's sports ones coming on board as well. I, yeah. I, I just see that space as being well. It's a minefield, and I, I don't have any advice for you, so I'm not going down that path. I just well, we, we've got the saying. I won't tell you, but we do have something, some pretty big plans afoot. But I just 
watch the space. But okay. yeah, I'd love to be able to tell you, but I can't. No, but no. Uh, yeah, it's very exciting. Okay. But, so uh, yeah. when that happens, we'll have another chat. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you once you, once you hang up the or once we, uh, you turn off the record button. Yes, and uh, you have to promise not to not to not to say anything. Oh, hey, but, uh, Dave, you should know that yeah. one thing about me is I, when I'm recording, I'm recording, and when I'm not, I'm definitely not. So, great, great. Um, yeah, <laughs> there's so I'll many keep things. It with get... Swear words, so you definitely can't use it. <laughs> yeah, fill it up with the C bomb. I can't put that on the yeah. radio. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, all I'd like to say to end that is congratulations. You know, I. We interviewed you before any of this went to air. We interviewed you sort of uh, at one point when it was just first starting and now yep. now afterwards. And the momentum, you've kept it there. The show's been everything you promised. And I was lucky enough, uh, we sat in that bar and had a little bit of a preview of stuff. Yep. And I went, wow, this is going to be this is going to be good. And it, and it has been. And what I really like about it is you've, you've shine, only shined positive light on our craft. Yeah, well, cheers. Well, that, that's... Uh... Oh, that's as as good a uh, a little bit of warm um, fuzzy for feedback you. Feedback looking, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's what we set out to achieve. I mean, the guys. At the end of the day, my job is to document what you guys and every hunter in New Zealand pretty much um, get up to, and why the reasons for that. And so, the fellas who are doing the hunting, um, they're proudest punch of the fact that they've been able to showcase the sport in a good light. And so, you know, I'm just I'm just doing the job of a fly on the wall. And trying to capture it as best I can without, um, you know, leaving out anything that you know. There's certain parts of hunting which some people might not enjoy, but it's like well, it's a crucial part to it. So if it's, um, you know, if we can do a good job of getting more people into the sport and you know making the people who are in the sport already a little bit you know better, then we've done a good job. And I think one thing that I'm trying to do now, and I've, this is only a, a recent idea, is profile hunters as providers for their community as well. Yeah, and that is something that I think can only can only be positive. That hunters, I hunt, and I probably provide meat for maybe three families, um, mm-hmm. and the odd other person that really enjoys getting some venison or or duck or whatever I've I've brought home, because I we couldn't eat it all ourselves. So what I've what what all hunters are is they are providing for that little group, you know. So well, there's um the Toa Hunter Gatherer. I saw yeah. something about them. Um, yeah, dishing out meat to communities up um, where they're based. It was East Coast or somewhere like that. Yeah. And, yeah, which is which is great. I mean, you know, I, I like meat too much to be dishing out to uh, to my neighbours. <laughs> but um, I've got a, I've got a freezer full of power that came back from Stewart Island, which I uh, yeah I earned some goodwill with a few mates up here. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Well, if if someone wants to find out more and follow the show, you've got a great Facebook page, and they can just search the Hunters Club in the search bar on Facebook, and you've got a website as well, Dave. Yeah, the website needs a bit of revamping, but uh, we're trying to drive most of our social media through Facebook and uh, Instagram and the like. So yeah, get on and tell us what you like and what you dislike, and uh, yeah, well, the um, we're thick skinned. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cheers, Dave. Thank you for coming on the show, and we'll talk again cheers, soon. Cheers, Stephen. My pleasure. That's us for another week. Thank you so much for tuning in. And thank you to NZ Outdoor Hunting Magazine for their great support, our partner magazine in this thing we call The Hunting Show. If you'd like to win that great prize from them, 12-month subscription, all you need to do is be active with us. Email us, Facebook us, be involved with the show, and it could be all yours because we have a neat way of figuring all of that out. That's me. Be careful out there, and good hunting.
broadcasting from an undisclosed location. From a secret hunting spot known only to him and the guy who told him about it and possibly the guy who told the guy who told him. It's a show all about hunting in New Zealand and around the globe. This is The Hunting Show. Find The Hunting Show on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date information on upcoming shows and topics.